0: This is the Simper Doctrina Podcast, a place to discuss theology with the hope of leading us to doxology. What is up, everyone? I am your host, Elijah Hoyer, and this episode is a bonus episode because we already released one this week. But as we were recording, Noah and I realized that we were for sure going to go over time, so we split the episode up into two episodes. So, before you listen to this episode on the Lord's Prayer, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to the earlier episode on What is Prayer. Then, once you're done with that, join in with us on this episode. So, without further ado, let's get started. Okay, so Noah, we uh, spent... quite a bit of time talking about prayer and we never really even got into scripture on how our Lord Jesus Christ has taught us how to pray so let's do that we will be actually in Matthew chapter 6 uh starting in verse 5 yeah that's a 5 my glasses are doing something weird yeah you're good (laughs) okay so this is the word of our Lord uh actually coming from the mouth of Jesus. The rest of the word is actually the word of the Lord as well, just written by his servants of either, you know, the apostles or the prophets. So this is, this is the word of the Lord. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. So we're going to be focusing primarily on verses nine through 13, but we're not necessarily going to be, um, Constrict it to that. So, if you want to pull from some of the surrounding verses, feel free to do that. But this is the exact words in which Jesus taught his followers to pray. And if you follow if you follow the the, the this prayer uh, sentence by sentence, line by line, you'll actually realize that this is kind of a summarization of what all of Scripture is pointing forward to <laughs> um, about about the father being glorified, about people being reconciled first and foremost to him, but also to each other um, and us being satisfied in him and us um, turning away from what is evil and towards what is righteous. So let's just kind of go through this line by line and let's talk about how we can pray this um, so that, you know, it, it, it is all right to pray this prayer and earnestly pray it, but it's also a right to pray this prayer and then also start praying what you know of what scripture says about about this that specific line. So, for example, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So, what 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 does that mean? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord, may your name be made great. <laughs> that, that that is basically the the most um simple translation to that but it is so true lord let your name be made great so as we look at that and as we think of other passages what what might what might that look like in your life of uh if like if you woke up tomorrow to pray the lord's prayer what what would you dive into with that specific line
1: yeah well i don't i think there's almost no end to the ways you could go with that um i think i would i think two things Uh, immediately. One, uh, that can be both prayed as a declaration and as a request. So first, you know, I think you could pray that as a declaration to the Lord, um, praising him because his name is great, praising him for what he has done. Um, praising him for what we know he will do in the future and offering up, adoration and praise born out of the scriptures for what he does. And I think like one of the things that I do personally in my own life is when I read, uh, whatever I'm reading in the scriptures that day, I, one of the first thing I try to pray out of that scripture is I try, what is, what is the Lord revealed about himself in that scripture Mm -hmm. that I can get that I should praise him for? Um, so like, you know, right now I'm going through, um, I'm reading through Titus over and over and over again. And, for a while. I'm just trying to get that cemented in my brain. I'm reading also through first Samuel and, um, one of the most beautiful prayers I think in the Bible is the prayer of Hannah. When she's praying that the Lord would grant her a son. And she offers up just this, this prayer of, of praise and of supplication, praising God for what, you know, for his goodness, for his graciousness, for, you know, raising up the humble and, um, humbling the proud, um, he's, you know, just praising God for who he is and what he has done. So I think in our lives, every day you ought to begin your day. I think it'd be also very helpful in your prayers to begin by praying, thinking and reflecting on what is praiseworthy about the Lord and spending time praising him mm-hmm. for that. And then two, like you were saying, I think it ought to be a request. And then I think that kind of goes into spheres fears of life. So, you know, if you're going to work, you know the day
0: yeah
1: praying that you know what lord how can you know pray that he would be glorified that his name would be made great uh his name would be made great in through you at your work you know so i think most people probably work with unbelievers i know i do and those unbelievers these guys in particular do not go they won't go to church they may go like on christmas or easter you know um but they're not Christians. And in many ways I am, I am the Lord has put me there and I can be um, a witness to him or witness to them to of God uh, of who he is. And so I, you know, praying that the Lord's name would be made great is praying that he be glorified in how I conduct myself at work or how I conduct myself at school um, or at church, or any any area of my life, praying specifically that the Lord would use me in those various spheres of influence to make His name great. Yeah, so good. Um, yeah, it. This
0: prayer is um, that line is kind of. This is a cheesy way to say it. It is a unlimited type of of prayer. Yeah. Um, you can pray it in the biggest macro. Aspect, um, Lord, let your name be made great, and for that, I think of um, Isaiah 45, where um, Isaiah is writing about um, every knee bowing and confessing that that God, that there, that uh, what is the specific line that um, the Lord is God and there is no other, <laughs> um, and you see that talked about and then philippians that every knee in heaven and on earth and under the earth will confess that jesus is lord so you can pray it at in that big macro type prayer of that the whole world the whole cosmos will recognize that that the lord is great that he is lord that there is none like him but then you can you can bring that down into a micro level of um if you have kids what greater prayer to pray for them than that? Lord, hallowed be your name among my kids. May your name be made great. If you have siblings, pray that for your siblings. Pray it for your workplace. Pray, pray it for your church. Yeah, Man, that that's a prayer that needs to be prayed for a lot of churches, whether your church is solid or whether your church is on the verge of having their lampstand taken away. Like, that's a prayer we need to be praying for, for all that we come in contact with from the, from the smallest micro scale to the greatest macro scale.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's really good. And I think that's, it's such a vital part of our prayer. And then going back to, you know, our conversation that we had earlier about prayer and kind of the vending machine view of God and prayer, praying that the Lord's name would be made great is, I think that's, one of the primary ways that we pray in accordance with God's yeah. will, because God's will throughout the scriptures is for his own glory. And, yeah. And he moves for his glory. So we ought to pray that like you were saying, I think that's just a great point from the biggest levels of life, uh, the cosmic levels of that prayer to, you know, the little minute little things, you know, like mm-hmm. my family and my kids and um, having that kind of heart posture that, and I think that's intentional too, that, that's the, that's the driving opening heart of the prayer that Jesus yeah. says, this is your skeleton for prayer. You start with pray that the Lord's name would be made great. Pray for his glory first and foremost, mm-hmm. which will help inform everything to follow. So verse 10, your kingdom
0: come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, I think his name is Ralph winter. He, he, he comments on this on, uh, I believe it was in the book perspectives. He had a section that he was writing on. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to get the quote word for word, but he says something along the lines of, and the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, um, on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't necessarily this prayer that, um, that the kingdom of heaven will come down onto earth. Now, Hey, hey as someone who is leaning much more Amill, I do believe that that's exactly what's going to happen the the heavens will come down and will consume the earth like a mighty fire but that's going to be a purifying fire so yeah that prayer is actually talking is a it was a very eschatological type prayer but what Ralph winter said and I also agree with his thought on this is that when you're praying that prayer, what you're kind of praying is that the rule and reign of Christ that is perfectly recognized in heaven would be recognized here on earth so as your rule and reign is recognized in heaven may be recognized here on earth your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so i I think that's just a beautiful verse to pray um and what again it's another type of endless type of prayer but yeah what what
1: we add to this so <clears throat> I saw this once from this person. This is very vague and helpful. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I saw this post once, I think it was on Facebook or something a long time ago. Um, and it was stupid, but like the, the main idea that this human, this lady, I think it was a lady was getting at was, uh, the Bible never commands it. It it was like this weird twisted, uh, Arminian argument. But it was strange, but she was basically arguing that the Bible never, uh, there's never, it never says in the Bible that we should pray for unbelievers to like come to know Christ and, and, and no salvation. And I think that's, I think that's Noah's laughing because he sees my
0: face and my face is contorted in ways that just pure bewilderment that, yeah. <laughs> right now. Uh,
1: it's yeah, it's, it's it, it ludicrous. Um, there's so there's so many reasons that that's wrong but i guess to the the prayer that we're going you know we're going through matthew and 6 uh matthew 6 the thought that comes to mind when you're talking about the lord's kingship uh his kingdom being recognized on earth as it is in heaven submitted to perfectly uh one of the think the main ways we ought to pray that uh to you know rebuttal this lady is I think that's uh, an evangelistic prayer. You know, this yeah. that ought to be an evangelistic prayer that the, you know, the Lord's Lord, Jesus is reigning now. Like Jesus is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, yeah, like he yeah. said that to the church in revelation, you know, almost 2000 years ago, that was true. Then it's true. Now, you know, Psalm two, kiss the sun before you perish, you know, like he is, he is, the Lord. He is the king. Not everybody is submitted to the king. And so those who are not submitted to the king will receive due justice when that time comes. And it's only those who humbly bow before the king, kiss the son, and humbleness and repentance will be saved. So I think he is king now. His kingdom is now but there are those who are in rebellion against that kingdom. And I think uh, a good Christian compassionate prayer has to be praying for the lost to recognize and submit to the kingship of Jesus uh, for his own glory and for his majesty. Um, So for that lady, I I would just encourage you. I mean, go read this prayer. Good theology. I think often explores all the implications of a given text, you know, if you read the Puritans or the reformers or, um, I mean, just, you know, the early church fathers, it is astounding to me often when I read them, how I mean, it takes time and it takes actual thinking, but they take texts and they go through so many implications. They don't just stop at kind of like the immediate clear ones. They, they push and push and push. So, so, Anyway, all that say, I think that's a very clear implication of this. Pray the kingdom come. I think pray for the lost. Pray for those who are not submitted to the king, that they would kiss the king, that they would kiss the son, that they would repent. Um, So that when the consummation of the kingdom comes, uh, he comes to judge the living and the dead, that they would not perish, um, but that they would be saved to his glory and praise.
0: Yeah, man. Just the whole... The whole conversation of the kingdom of God. Um, That would derail this whole conversation if we were to dive into that. Uh, But we'll we'll save that for a later episode. Yeah, another conversation for a later episode. Um, So maybe that's one that I can convince Noah to come on to for. um, Because the whole conversation of the kingdom of God is an amazing conversation. I love it. I would love that. Um, So let's let's go on to the next verse. Give us this day our daily bread. Hmm. Give us to stay our daily bread. So is um, what what is Christ talking about here? Is he talking about like actual physical bread, um, maybe? But I think it's deeper than that. <laughs> I I know it's deeper than that. Um, it's no wonder that Jesus is self proclaiming himself as the bread of life. Um, and man this goes into a huge cultural context deal of like their view of bread bread was a huge deal for them um bread bread was the centerpiece of all their meals um just if you didn't have bread you didn't eat um so it's not talking about just this uh white bread that we have but it's actually like a subsidence bread um And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, he is saying, I am your portion. I am your satisfaction. I am the thing that will truly, truly ever satisfy you. So give us this day, our daily bread. This is actually calling us to daily communion with God. But now this also leads into uh, kind of what we've talked about on the podcast uh, earlier on, on prayer. This is also the, the place to make petition for for other wants, for other needs, for other desires. So, give us this day our daily bread is is a prayer of petition that we be first and foremost satisfied in Christ, but then acknowledging that we have other wants and desires that you know honestly that if they're if they're unrighteous desires that our desires would fall into submission to God, but if they are righteous desires. This is a place to to pray for those desires.
1: Yeah, I think of um, Jesus. Is, I mean, you've re- referenced it all. Um, you've referenced this many times already, and what you've said in John six and there's just a couple things that stick out to me. You know, the Israelites. Jesus is in this discussion with the Israelites, and they say to him, "Then what sign will you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform?" And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And I think like, I, I don't know. So first and foremost, if, like to your point, I just think ultimately you have to understand this as not to like spiritualize this text away, but you have to understand that give us this our this day our daily bread. Um, the Israelites talk about the, the manna in the wilderness, the bread given to them that they would live. And and Jesus is coming back to them saying basically like that that bread is not true life. It's temporal, but you will die. Yeah. And I am the bread of eternal life. Um and I think I don't know, maybe this is a stretch, and if it is, you know, um, anybody who knows can come knock me upside the head because I'm more than willing to learn. But he goes on in John 6 to talk about how his 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 body is true true bread and his uh his blood is true wine and so like to get into the lord's supper
0: i just want to say every other gospel but the gospel of john says something about the lord's supper i may be a little bit off on this but i believe this is the only account in john in which jesus correlates his body with bread and his blood with wine so I think you're correct in correlating this with the Lord's Supper. I'm just I'm just affirming that really quickly. Um and no, we are not saying transubstantiation or yeah. consubstantiation, but we're also kind of denying a purely moral- memorialistic approach to um to the Lord's Supper. So, go ahead.
1: Yeah, so if I'm well, if I may put in a plug, again, I pl- I mean, I have man, I have plug. I need I need to get plug away. <laughs> I need to get paid for how many like different products I am uh, promoting right now, but um, (laughs) (laughs) wonderful, a wonderful podcast out there that you should listen to. uh, If you like, this podcast is called the reformed brotherhood. Um, Hoyer and I both listen to it um, avidly. It is just wonderful. Um, Wonderful brothers in Christ sharing wonderful theology um, with a very similar dynamic, probably to that of Hoyer and I, they're good friends and, much smarter than we are. So um in some ways we a run lot more edifying around us. <laughs> oh yeah, they would uh, totally I've learned so much from them. But they have this wonderful series on the Lord's Supper. Go listen to it. It's really helpful. It will clarify in greater depth what you just said. But um there is a real there is a real presence in the Lord's Supper and it is a means of grace that God has appointed for his people. Mm. A spiritual nourishment. Um, there's a participation in christ that comes through the lord's supper that encourages and edifies a believer and so i think like praying give us this day our daily bread well i think like in one way in a sense that that goes to the lord's supper this this covenantal promise given to his people that if they partake of the bread and the wine that there is the spiritual nourishment you know like but like so it's just a, such a powerful verse because it's also like you're saying it is material things, yeah. right? Like God is the one who provides. He sends the the rain on the just and the unjust, and he sends the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. You know, he provides for the lilies. He provides for the birds. Well, he pro- how does he give food to the birds? Well, he materially, pro- <laughs> yeah. He provides worms for them to eat, and so, like God is such a good, wonderful God that this verse. If you, I think if you could fall into different camps of error, but if you purely spiritualize away this verse, I think you're off a bit because yeah. it is surely spiritual and it's, I think ultimately refers to Christ. But if you deny that it is truly a prayer for God to provide materially, temporally for what we need, then I think you're off. Um, and then vice versa. If you deny the spiritual aspect of it and say it's just like praying for bread, praying for material things, I think you're also off. So it's just a beautiful verse where. Jesus is telling it, like, pray for the spiritual nourishment, the bread that is Christ, his presence, to fill you and satisfy you, to be satisfied in Christ. But then also, as a a child with childlike faith, going before a sovereign God who is able to meet his people's needs, um, God gave the Israelites manna in the wilderness. And there's many things we can take in that text and understand the spiritual truths in that. Well, we shouldn't just... We should not bypass the fact that it really was just he met a temporal need. They would have died. Yeah. Um, but he gave them food so that they could live. And God is good and gracious to do that in our lives. So we can and should pray, Lord, provide what I need, which is often less than we think. But um, he will provide what we need.
0: Yeah, that, that's that's good. Man, I want to talk more about the Lord's Supper as well. Um But... Let's keep moving. <laughs> keep on uh, trucking. Keep, keep on trucking. Okay, uh, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Man, that's probably one of the hardest ones to pray. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: The, because, easy, the first part's like easy yeah. in a
0: sense because like forgive us our debts. Well, everybody wants well, to be okay, forgiven uh, our debts. Uh, hold up though. I don't know if that one's so easy to pray. Okay. Uh, the reason why I say that. How often is it when you or I sin that our first response isn't to approach the throne room of God saying, Father, I have sinned against you. Forgive me, a wretched sinner. No, more often than not, we, we go to self-deprecating. We go to um, we, uh, hatred of self, basically. Uh, it's it's not a righteous hatred of self, but it's it's like one of those... Well, we I would, like, yeah, we
1: like try to atone. We try for to atone, atone for our our ourselves yeah. or,
0: or it's one of those things that um we we shy away from God. So I, I don't. Yeah. In theory, I would agree with you that that's the easy one to pray. But I find that um for me, my my bent isn't necessarily not forgiving the others, but it's more getting to the point where I ask the Lord to forgive me. Not because I haven't recognized I have sinned, but it's more I'm I'm so ashamed of my sin that that I'm afraid to even approach the throne room of God, which is which is not at all what scripture calls. But <laughs>
1: it, yeah, yeah there is a necessity for a humble heart. Um I think you're exactly right. To to acknowledge to pray that prayer means that I have to acknowledge that I have sinned. Yeah. And I think that's a good a good reminder that we're often we can be really bad at that. And I, like if I start to think about it, you know, there's many ways that I sin in my life that <clears throat> I I think I struggle still in my heart to accept, to recognize and truly submit to the fact that that's wrong because my flesh desires it. And so it's kind of, I would think, well, if I want, you know, it, it feels good. Yeah. So like, is it really that bad? But like having a true humble heart that says that is wrong um, and then like you were saying, yeah, having a humble heart to recognize I need forgiveness from God, you know, like Psalm 51 against you and you alone have I sinned yeah. and done what is evil in your sight. I need forgiveness from you and you alone. You ultimately are the one I've sinned against you alone and ultimately are the one that I need forgiveness from. Um, guess so I just say. So I, I I'm gonna partially rescind my previous <laughs> statement. There we go. <laughs> I'm gonna partially rescind it because I think you're right. Um, and I think that's really fair. I think the reason I say that, um, though maybe I should nuance it and clarify it, is this a really interesting s- statement because there seems to be, um, this like qualification almost.
0: There's a condition.
1: Yeah, it's yes. Thank and, you. And,
0: and the condition is solidified even deeper once Jesus has finished the Lord's Prayer.
1: Right. right.
0: So uh, do you mind if I read that really quick? Oh, go for it. Okay, because the word can say it way better than we ever can. Amen. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father also f- will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their yeah. trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There is an inherent condition oh, yeah. that is mentioned there.
1: Yeah. He's, he's, and I think that's why it's hard is. So I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there and you can yell at Hoyer and send him emails and texts and <laughs> scream at him. Cause he's the host and I don't have to deal with it, but I'm just going to put this out there that uh, <laughs> often prayer in the Bible is conditional An answer to prayer is conditional. And if you don't believe me, Go look up verses on prayer. Uh, John, Jesus makes that very clear in John that he often answers to prayer conditional that they're in accordance with God's will and that those people are are, living in accordance with God's will. Yeah, if you're
0: not living in accordance to God's will, there are many times where God will say, I will not hear your prayers. Right. Also, the Lord does not hear the prayers of those who are not his. Yeah. Which is also scriptural. Maybe I should find that passage, but I know that's in there. Let me find it. Go ahead and keep talking.
1: Well, yeah, I, you, you make a mistake if you presume that God is always going to do something or, you know, um, I'm going to pray this and I'm going to presume that God's going to answer because I have a faulty view of prayer and how God always answers my, pro- you know, the, my prayers. Um, but like you're saying, I mean, this that's an ex- in 14 verses 14 and 15. That's an explicit condition. You have if you do not forgive others, your f- father in heaven will not forgive you. And I think you have to be really careful to clarify that that's not uh, a, you know, God is not requiring you to do some moral work for him to save you and to redeem you. um, So that like, it's some work of ours that we get forgiven. But I do think like, if you are, you know, if you keep in context, Jesus is talking about the the kingdom of God, the ethic of the kingdom, the values of the kingdom. Um, For those who are in the kingdom. So they have been saved. They have been brought into the kingdom a necessary working out of their citizenship is that they forgive other people because they have been forgiven. Yeah. And that new, that language is all over the Bible, all over the new Testament. You know, we forgive because we have been forgiven.
0: We love because God loved us. And that goes back into the being in Christ, participating in the life, death and resurrection of Christ. (laughs) Right. If I am in Christ, it's full circle. (laughs) Yeah.
1: If I am in Christ, not only, Not only is that a requirement, but if I'm truly in Christ, that is something that will happen. I will forgive because I've been forgiven. And if I'm truly in Christ and participating in Christ, those things do not go together. Me being in Christ and being unwilling to forgive. And I think like, obviously you have to leave room for struggle and the flesh, but I think the heart that is just unforgiving, unwilling to forgive, unrepentant about being not forgiving. Well... You may, you should spend some time. There's like the question then becomes, are you really in Christ? Because the spirit ought to be working in God's people and is working in God's people. So if you're in Christ, you will forgive. So he conditionally says, the Lord, the father will not forgive you unless you forgive others. And so I, I think that's really hard because there's, it's easy to, I think, pass by a lot of minor offenses, but I think in my own life, And I think many of us deal with this as well, we really struggle to let major offenses go and especially like major like relationship breaking offenses go and truly forgive and truly move past that um, and entrust justice to the Lord. So there is a struggle in my heart, I think, and I you're you're right to point out the other part of that. It's just a hard verse, I think, yeah. you know, and it really is kind of a slap in the face to force you to be a little bit humble. Yeah. Uh,
0: so about the f- passage I was talking about and how the Lord does not hear the prayer of certain people, um, it doesn't necessarily say those who are not his, but I think we could um, assume that and... My my friend's brothers just walk in, so yeah, I want to say hello to him. Yes, we are. That's, But we're not cutting any of this because this is a no-cut podcast. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. Um, but I will continue on, and you'll hear the movement of Josh in the background, and that's all right. Chipotle.
1: So, <laughs> Chipotle. It's another okay. plug. Unplug a Chipotle. <laughs> just sp- sponsored by. No, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, Proverbs 1529. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And then you see that contrasted with, or I guess more compared to 1 Peter 3.12. God's ears are closed to the prayer of, prayer of the wicked. So, just to go back to what we were talking about, there are conditions in prayer. Um, I, I believe that God's love is great. It is greater than we can ever fathom. Um, but I think we have also distorted what God's love looks like as well um, to say that God um, God just allows for all things to be and it doesn't really matter how in what fa- form or fashion we go a- forward in because God's love is unconditional. Um, and in a sense we can say yes, God's love is unconditional, but I think that's been distorted um, to, Twist into whatever nature of themes that we want to twist it into. Uh, so, anyway, little little side trail. Let's get back on track. Uh, verse thirteen, last verse of the Lord's Prayer, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a great way to end a prayer. But what, what what should we discuss about that?
1: What should we discuss about that? <clears throat> um. Well, I think. Uh we're gonna I'm just gonna continue to come back to this. You know, we pray because we believe in a sovereign God, um and we have faith that because he's sovereign he can answer our prayers. Um and truly he is a God who has power over both what is evil and what is good. Um he is working through even evil people. Uh, he works even through the devil. He works through um, what people would intend for evil. He intends for good, yeah. um, because he is sovereign. And we live in a world that is broken and fallen. We live in an evil world, and we have to. I mean, we have to be balanced about it. But we live in a in a we are in a spiritual war. There's spiritual warfare, and you know, you again, you don't want to get carried away with weird, faulty, charismatic views of that. So you want to be like biblical. Um, We want to be biblical about how we approach spiritual warfare, but it is a reality. Um, And I think we we don't acknowledge enough our need for the Lord's protection, our need for the Lord's deliverance in those areas of our life, um, or even truly believe that he is able to deliver from those things. You know, like we think... It's just a weird thing in our brains, I think, often that we think God, we know God can deliver us from like sin and from His wrath. Um, I mean, hopefully you believe that He delivers us from His wrath. Um, but then like the everyday, the evils of this life, the temptations of this life, it. Uh, I it, just no go no ahead. no. I I can
0: <laughs> see the the thinking. My my mind's turning, <laughs> and I have an awful time hiding my facial expressions when when that happens. It's one of those things that it's like um, monergism, sovereignty of God and salvation. We believe, so many people believe that um, it is the Lord's work for salvation, for justification. It is him who's done the electing. It is him who's done the saving. It is him who's done the regeneration. But then for whatever reason, there just becomes this switch in our brain that we're like, oh, but fleeing from temptation is my work okay wait scratch that uh more sanctification is my work yeah. we we're modern we're we are we are we are uh we hold to monergism and salvation but we become synergist in our approach to sanctification and by that for those who do not know monergism um it is the lord's work not my own work synergism it's me that participates in the saving work of god um and that's just straight up um uh, Pelagian her- heresy needs to be rejected. Just going to put that out there. uh So we, these people who are f- firm moner monergists, if that's a word, become synergists when it comes to sanctification.
1: Yeah, and I, we have to acknowledge again. This comes back to we are abide in Christ. We are participants in Christ. We are in Christ. Sanctification then is uh, a work that is done in our lives uh, because we're in Christ and Christ is purifying his bride. Um, and salvation is a work that has happened in justification. It is a work that is happening in sanctification. And it is a work that will happen in glorification. It's a lifelong process and it will never stop. And so... You know, James says, you know, that about temptation, that, you know, God does not, is not tempted. The Father is not tempted, nor does he tempt. Um, he does not tempt people to sin, but people are tempted by their own evil desires. Um, and it is, we have to pray and trust the God who cannot be tempted, who is not tempted. Um, he is the only one, again, who then can deliver from temptation. And then I go back to Hebrews four. Jesus is the great high priest who was tempted in every yep. way as a man, truly God, truly man. He was tempted in every way as we are tempted yet without sin. So then Amen. go to your great high priest in the time of need and pray, deliver me from this temptation, deliver me from this desire, deliver me from this evil and help me. You will find grace and you'll find help in your time of need. Amen. Amen. Amen, man.
0: I think we could just continue on, but we have another podcast to record tonight and we have about an hour to do that. And with how we were going so slow right now, (laughs) we need to get started on that. So let's, let's just finish with, um, a very reverent reading of the Lord's prayer. Um, and I'll end it with amen and we'll, we'll be good to go to the the next scene, I guess. good. sweet. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to this episode today. Again, I really hope that this episode was encouraging to you and that you just walk away with a better understanding of what prayer is and really just a guide of how to pray through the Lord's Prayer. Here is my weekly endorsement of the Westminster Catechism. Go check out what it has to say about the Lord's Prayer, because it will be much more concise than what Noah and I said, but equally as beneficial. So please go check that out. Also. I'll be. I'm going to start working on some book giveaways and stuff like that. So you will need to follow me on Instagram and on Facebook at Simper Doctrina. The only way you will be able to qualify, or one of the ways you will be able to qualify, is by following me on those platforms. So please follow me on there. If this episode was interesting to you and you think it would be uh, good for someone else to hear, please share this with your friends, with your family, and let's, let's get this episode, this podcast around to other people. Uh, and to those who have been following me and supporting me, thank you so much. I am, I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your week to listen to this podcast. So until next time, have a great week and we'll just have a good old time. That's a stupid ending, but I'm going to keep that in.